This morning, we are going to continue with our Exploring Ephesians sermon series. So we're going we're gonna to jump back into it, and um, I, I get a chance to, to preach today. Uh, Pastor Mark and Suzanne had an awesome time last night and uh, yesterday, and really all last week, helping Brett and Moran to get all married off and everything, so they were doing that, and I think there were a couple times in the service where Pastor Mark might have started tearing up a little bit, so, so I asked him after the ceremony, I said, was that a tear in your eye? And he's like, I, I couldn't see, like it was, it was, my eyes were wet, and I didn't, so it, I think it might have thrown him off a little bit, but so, um, so thanks for the for the privilege to be able to do this, but also congratulations to Mark and Suzanne, Brett and Miranda, more importantly, as uh, as they were able to get married yesterday. What an awesome thing. So start their life together. So I was I was actually preparing for a sermon today, and I was, I was at home scrolling through on my computer, just kind of reading through it, and Elena and Anthony and my kids were, were there, and Elena looks at it and she said, that's a lot of words, Dad. <laughs> And she's seven, so one page would be a lot of words. But um, I said, yeah, yeah, I guess it is, you know. So, but anyways, uh, this morning we're going to continue with our series on the book of Ephesians. So if you could open your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1, Ephesians 5, 1. And we're going to look at the first two verses of chapter 5 here. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. And this is what it says. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us and offered an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. So this, this passage here begins with this idea of imitating God, right? And that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. What does this mean? What does it look like to, and how on earth could we even imitate God? More specifically, um, imitation as a beloved child. So, so what I did is I brought a couple pictures with me, and so here's a picture of Anthony imitating his dad. Um, he, uh, I don't know where he got the fake mustache. He also got a shirt that says, I must ask you a question, and he's got this mustache. So, Anyways, he was, he was being, you know, rocking his facial hair just like that. And then this is a picture of Elena and Anthony as they were imitating mom. And so, um, I, I don't know how it turned out, but <laughs> they're baking expeditions, but they, you know, children imitate, right? Um, a lot of times they'll, you know, for, the voice for dad will be real low and real deep. And then the voice for mom, when they imitate the voice will be real high, right? And so all those things in all different kinds of ways that, uh, that moms and dads get imitated. But going back to the verse here, the first part of verse 1 calls followers of Jesus to imitate God the Father, the one that they've committed to serve. And the second part of verse 1 and all of verse 2 then goes on to talk about how we are to imitate God. And so that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. To imitate God is really at the very core of what it means to be a Christian. You know, as a follower of Jesus, it's not just enough to agree with what was said in the Bible. Paul isn't telling us just to agree with God's words, but to literally imitate Him. Imitation implies an action, really. 
imitation takes a few steps. First, we need to observe. In this case, we need to observe God. We need to be watching Him, hearing what He says, figuring out how He responds to situations. And then the second step of imitating is then taking action. Beginning to mirror His actions, His speech, His responses. To most of us, this makes sense, right? This seems reasonable. We understand that in order to be like someone, we need to copy them. Almost a Simon Says mentality. And uh, recently I was taking a few classes at the YMCA, trying to get all fit and trim and everything like that. And so I signed up for these classes, and of course, um, I was one of only two guys in, in the class, and it's me uh, getting my rear end handed to me by a bunch of moms, and which was awesome, like props to them. But each class I took was led by a trainer, and so I'd show up, and the first thing the trainer would show us are, are the stretches. So they'd have them on a board, and we'd have to learn the stretches, and the trainer would literally go through and say, okay, this is this stretch, this is this stretch, and they're demonstrating it, right? And then we would go through... Uh, the actual circuit that they had set out for us, and we'd, we'd watch the trainer do each each circuit that they had set up, and then we would go th- through each of the um, stations imitating the trainer. And without fail, there was usually, um, you know, us one or two guys or some of the ladies, we wouldn't be doing it wrong, so that, you know, the, the trainer would come and give us a hand, and, you know, which meant that um, I usually got embarrassed by the ladies, but also, I believe this process kind of helps us with um, this idea of imitating God. This process also applies to our relationship with God. See, God reveals something to us. Then what we do is we try to imitate him um, to correct the action or thought process. So God, God reveals something to us. What we try to do is we imitate him, and then, and then what he does is he corrects that action or that thought process and so, so we understand that, that whole idea of imitation to that degree. But Paul, however, takes this idea of imitation really one step further. And although our relationship with God can look like this process that occurs at the Y where we watch the trainer do something and then we repeat it, our relationship with God is actually so much more. That's not where Paul is, is going with this concept of imitation. If Paul wanted us to just copy actions and repeat them, then he would have give us, given us specific step-by-step literal actions. But you see in verses 1 through 2, he doesn't do that. He actually gives us so much more. At, at the end of verse 1 and all of verse 2, we are given not external behavior modification ideas to change our actions, but internal Christ-like transformation principles to help, help our hearts better reflect the heart of Jesus. And that's a big difference, isn't it? If our heart and motivation are transformed, our actions will begin to reflect that inward transformation. This is a very important concept for us to get this morning because it can literally be the difference between a life of frustration with external behaviors or a life of contentedness with internal transformation. When we look, when we're looking to just change behaviors, we are more apt to rely on ourselves, but not so with heart transformation. If transformation is to occur, God needs to take the lead and we need to follow, which is the position that we're supposed to be in as followers. There's nothing wrong with working on those outward behaviors, but what Paul is communicating is that the inward transformation should always overshadow the outward behaviors. If the work that you're doing to change you is overshadowing the work that God is trying to do in you, 
then you're in a wrong position. The internal work that God is trying to do inside of you should overshadow your external behaviors that you're trying to change. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. So let's look at heart principles that we are to imitate and how they are to be accomplished. The first things we need to understand is that Jesus should be our example of how to imitate God. I mean, if you think about it, God himself came down to earth and lived the life to show us how we can live and ought to live. Jesus is our, is our example. John 14:9 says, Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? What Jesus is saying here is, if you want to imitate God, then look at me. If you've seen me, the example of me, how I've lived, how Jesus walked on this earth, that is a revelation of the Father. See, Jesus is God. Jesus, the Son, is the revelation of God the Father. Therefore, in order to imitate God well, we should turn our attention to the life, passion, and death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we we referred to it even this morning in water baptism. This is the context in which transformation can occur. To imitate God is to become more like Jesus, to grow in Christ's likeness. Jesus' life is the best example of how to imitate God. Some of us just attended a, a silent prayer retreat where much of time was spent reflecting on the life of Jesus, the entirety of his life and his death and his resurrection. Do you, do you realize how Jesus lived? Do you realize the life he lived? Have you ever spent time just absorbed in the life of Christ, how he did ministry, the miracles? The healings, the amount of time he spent with his disciples, he spent every waking moment with those guys. It was amazing. The compassion he had for sinners. He he didn't get frustrated with sinners. Sinners didn't bother him. He had compassion for them. People who were lost broke his heart. Have you ever examined the connection he exhibited with God the Father? Do you ever long for that connection? Did you ever ask God, the Holy Spirit, to say, Lord, help me connect, Lord, like you were connected with the Father, so in tune with what he wanted you to do that he led and guided your every move and your every step each day? I want to be that in tune. Did you ever realize the human emotion he displayed? He was completely human. The grace and patience he extended, the incredible love that motivated him. Have you ever taken a look at the incredible life of Jesus. And if so, what have you learned from it? What have I learned from it? It should impact us. It should impact how we live. Matthew 9.35 says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of, of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every sickness. That was the life Jesus lived. Jesus tirelessly demonstrated the heart of God in his life. What a great example for us. He also reveals the heart of God in his passion and death. You know, Pastor Mark referred to it earlier, a lot of times we do like to to focus on the resurrection piece, which is incredibly important. But, do you ever think about and go through and walk through step by step with how Jesus handled his passion and his death? It was incredible. This will teach you so much about the character of God. It teaches me so much about who God is. Think about it. 
the perfect Lamb of God was so anguished that he sweat drops of blood as he was praying. He was betrayed by one of his close friends. The rest of his friends deserted him and denied even knowing him. He was wrongly accused. He was slapped, beaten, spit at, mocked, humiliated, mercilessly whipped, physically and verbally and emotionally abused, forced to carry his cross up a hill and crucified in the middle of two criminals. And yet while Jesus was hanging there, what was he able to say? Even after all this suffering, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. See, this doesn't happen. That type of attitude, going through that type of suffering with, with uh, that much godliness and character and perspective doesn't happen by just trying harder. It can't. We're not able to do that. What about his resurrection? He died on the cross, but he also rose again three days later. Have you ever allowed yourself to be amazed by this? Sometimes familiar stories become just that, just familiar stories. And we forget the incredible power that 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 resurrection demonstrated. And that somehow, in God's plan, through His Holy Spirit, we can be a part of or have access to that same power that raised Christ from the dead. I don't understand it. It amazes me. And after this sorrow and his passion and death, the joy of his resurrection somehow can be felt. And it was felt even this morning in water baptism some 2,000 years later. That's not from just a group of people hoping to get better and chipping away under our own power. So a brand new hope was able to rise out of the pit of despair. I mean, you think about it, the contrast is incredible. What was meant for evil was turned into the greatest act of good that could ever be done. And as followers of Jesus, we have the same privilege of living in the power of his resurrection and to be relationally restored to a perfect and holy God who created us. Isn't that incredible? This is the God that we're to imitate. Sounds impossible, doesn't it? How are we supposed to imitate him? Perfectly, this God that we're to imitate is perfectly revealed in Jesus. We're to imitate our Savior and the life he lived. We are to imitate the way that he went through suffering. We are to imitate the way the new Holy Spirit-empowered life of his resurrection. That's what we're to imitate. And this is something worth imitating, isn't it? Man, if I could live how Jesus lived, if I could walk through life, pain, suffering, and resurrection how Jesus did, and that would impact the people around me. That would impact my own life. Now, with this incredible example in mind, let's take a look at two ways in which the Apostle Paul says we should imitate God. The first way that he describes is to imitate God as beloved children and to walk in love just as Christ also loved you. See, he's talking about to love unconditionally, unconditional love, just like we are loved unconditionally. What would a perfect child-father relationship look like? The child would probably understand that they are loved unconditionally by their father, right? The child would completely trust the father. They would feel protected. They would probably feel like spending time with their father. They would respect and, and listen to their father. They would show affection to each other, the father to the child, child to father. This is how Paul is telling us to walk. 
The challenge, though, is to live like this. Ask yourself this question. Do you really believe that God loves you like this? Do you really believe that God loves you with this perfect, unconditional love? Do you feel like this beloved child? If your answer is no, then you should allow God to reveal the truth of his love to you. But then choose to believe it and live in that belief. It's one thing to understand it in your mind. This happens to me all the time. I get things up here. Okay, okay, it makes sense. And understanding maybe who God is, but man, if you're like me, it has a hard time sometimes going from here to believing it in here. And that is the toughest travel, it seems like. It's not that far between my mind and my heart, but man, it has a hard time getting there. One of the things that has worked really well for me is to bring this new belief, any new belief, is to simply write down a statement or a scripture that communicates that belief. Like, you are intentionally loved by God, something like that. And then commit to reading that statement out loud every day. Because something happens when you read it out loud, and brain research shows that you actually listen to your own voice better than you do others. That's why um, the way you speak of yourself out loud actually can, can have a great impact on how you view yourself and life, and your relationship with God. See, changing our beliefs to better reflect the truth is incredibly important for this reason, because we can't give what we don't have. For, for example, if, if we don't believe that we are unconditionally loved by God, we will not be able to show that unconditional love to others. And then all we'll, do, all's we'll be doing is doing it out of our own effort. We'll be just trying really hard to unconditionally love other people, and it'll be impossible to do because we don't believe it ourselves. We haven't personalized it ourselves. We need to let this incredible love so affect us so it becomes personally realized. Only then will this unconditional love be extended to others the way Jesus did. See, the way you'll begin to realize if you're personalizing this and believing this love is when you begin to notice it in your feelings, in your interactions with others. We can, we can fake being nice, Right? Not that you've ever done that with anyone. You're super nice to them, but in your head you're like, what a jerk. <laughs> or whatever, whatever the case may be, whatever you're thinking inside, but, but you know what, you're practicing self-control, it's good, you know, uh, but, but to be able to feel it and understand it inside and believe it, to actually show unconditional love, you'll begin to imitate God then, once you, once you personalize this and own this and how you think and how you feel and how you treat that person at work that always drove you crazy, you'll begin to feel differently, more Christ-like about those who have caused you hurt or pain in the past. You'll begin to feel and pass on unconditional love God has so freely given to each one of us, and that's really what we want, isn't it? The best example of unconditional love in the Bible may be a story, the story of the prodigal son. The way the father in the story interacts with the son is a great picture of unconditional love. Luke 15, 11-32 tells this story. It says there was a father who had two sons. The younger son went up to his father and asked for his part of the inheritance early, which was actually quite an offense back then. You, you wouldn't do that. His, his father actually gave it to him, and the younger son went far away and quickly spent all the money from his father on anything he wanted. He pretty much wasted it all on some pretty horrible living. And when all the money was gone, a famine hit the land and he couldn't get anything to eat, so he went and got a job at a local farm feeding pigs. 
One day, after trying to eat what the pigs were eating, he thought, you know, my father's servants live better than I do. I'm going to go back and apologize and see if my dad will allow me to work as just as one of his servants. So he woke up the next morning and made his way back to his father's house. Now, put yourself in the shoes of the father, and you've been so offended by your son, he's wasted all, you know, half of your inheritance, really. And then picture him coming back through the door. What would our first human response be? It probably, for me, wouldn't be one of unconditional love. But his father, and this is where the story is just absolutely beautiful, his father had been watching for him. It seems like there was an anticipation, even though he could have taken such offense to what his son did, even though money that he had worked so hard for to acquire over a long period of time in his life was completely wasted. For whatever reason, he was watching for his son. He valued the relationship with his son over the stuff that he had. His father had been watching for him from a distance. And when the father saw him, the father felt compassion and ran out to meet his wayward son. He hugged and he kissed him. And the son apologized, but the dad seemingly didn't even attempt to listen to his apology. He just turned to his servants and he told them to kill the fatted calf, get a robe, sandals for his son. And the dad threw a party for his lost son because he had come home. Unconditional love. You can't muster that up. You can't show that kind of unconditional love and excitement by just trying to be better. I, I wish that I would always respond with that unconditional love like the dad, but a lot of times I don't. I, I could usually identify with the older brother a little better. Many times, see, the older brother was mad that his dad responded to the younger brother that way. And in some way, I, you know, I could understand that. But the story ends with the father explaining this concept of unconditional love to his older son. See, what we need to understand is when God transforms us from the inside out with this principle of unconditional love, it will begin to translate to our own interactions with others. Then we'll be imitating God. Unconditional love is, is not condoning sin or agreeing with wrong actions. Love chooses to look past the sin to see and love the person God created. That's the difference. The father was able to receive his son with love, just like Jesus would have, and just like Jesus has already done for each one of us. We are beloved children of God. Do you believe that this morning? God receives us like the father in this story. What, then this belief of unconditional love, God can then use to help us walk in love just as Jesus did. See, God is love, and therefore the greatest characteristic of our lives, as the Apostle Paul puts it, is to be love, or to imitate God in this way. To walk in love. And this leads to the second part in verse 2, that our proper response to this unconditional love should be heartfelt sacrificial giving. We are to love as a sacrifice, just like Jesus did. Once again, using the example of Christ, we can see sacrificial giving that Jesus modeled. Sacrificial giving is giving anything and everything that God asks, and it will cost us something. That's why it's sacrificial, simply by definition. 
Jesus sacrificially gave of his time. He freely extended forgiveness. He sacrificially put the needs of others before himself as a servant. There was a time that that John the Baptist had just passed away. He, He got killed. He got beheaded. And Jesus wanted to go and be alone. And people followed him to where he was going to try to be alone. And he couldn't be alone. And so he didn't get mad at everybody and tell them to leave. He started having people come to him and he chose to put the needs of others before himself. He began to heal each one of those people that came to him. In his humanity, he didn't probably feel like it, but he chose to do that. So, this he offered this healing. He, all, he really offered the ultimate sacrifice, which is his life. And this means that unconditional love will require sacrificial giving, extending forgiveness to that person who doesn't deserve it. It may mean not doing something you look forward to in order to help someone who is in need. It may mean choosing a Saturday at a help and family promise as opposed to watching the game or something like that. It may mean not doing something or choosing to put that aside in order to do something better. Sacrifice, by definition, says to give up something, wants or rights, to get or help someone else or something else. And this is how Jesus lived. This doesn't mean that we do everything that everybody wants us to do. The sacrificial life Jesus lived was completely centered around what God wanted him to do. Not what every, not the demands everyone else put on him, but what did God want him to do? Jesus sacrificially gave it all according to the Father's plan. And when I hear the word sacrifice, I usually get uncomfortable, but I guess that's kind of the essence of sacrifice, isn't it? Are we willing to live sacrificially in whatever way God wants us to? There's only really one way to find out, and that's to ask. That's a dangerous thing to do, to actually ask God how to be sacrificial. Or, Lord, in what way do you want me to sacrifice? That's probably not a prayer we pray a whole lot. I would rather receive all his blessings than to ask him how I should be, how I should be sacrificing. Ask God how he wants you to show unconditional love through sacrificial giving. But here's the thing, if you do that, you better be ready to follow through with whatever that may be. But I tell you what, if you do, if you follow through in that way, you'll experience God in a way that you've never experienced him before. You, you will see his hand at work. You will understand him in a way that you never could have understood him had you not chosen that sacrifice. This, this concept of being imitators of God that is shown through sacrificial giving um, and unconditional love is a tough one to try to compare How do you illustrate that, something that is supernatural and illustrated in the natural? But this concept of being imitators of God could possibly be compared to the practice of excellent actors. Acting really is an art. Incredible acting is like watching a gift being slowly unwrapped on stage. It's really a beautiful thing. This type of acting is more than just learning the lines and projecting your voice, though. It's more than just copying motions and costuming. See, incredible acting isn't really acting at all. The best actors actually become the character they're representing. They feel the emotions. They begin to think and make decisions like the character. 
In fact, here's how one actor describes this beautiful art. A non-Christian actor, he says this, My own personal philosophy is that the character I am to play already exists, fully formed, out there in the ether somewhere. My job is to do the work required, and it's a lot of work, to make room for that character to inhabit me, to work very hard to find the character, to understand him, to open myself to him. If I've done everything right, I always feel that it's not me on stage, but the character. I'm just the vessel for the character to express his life in physical form. Those are powerful words. This really might be an excellent illustration of what it means to be imitators of God. The character in this case is God the Father. His son Jesus has already perfectly demonstrated what imitating God looks like. And through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, it is possible to practice this beautiful concept of imitating God. It's possible. It's not an impossibility. But there's a big difference where the illustration or example may fall apart is that the one who we're imitating is God himself. The power that we have is of the Holy Spirit, not something that we can muster up. And the example has already been set for us. So the question is always, well, what do we do? How should we start? The best way for you or I to become imitators is by simply spending consistent time with the one we are to imitate. How are we to know how to act if we don't know who he is? If we don't understand who he is, how he acts? We need to put ourselves in positions for him to reveal himself to us, to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. We need to say no to other things in our lives so we can say yes to intentional time with God. Then we need to know and understand the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus because his life is the best example of imitating God. So we can start by spending time with the one we are to imitate, but maybe a way that you could spend that time is by examining the example of Jesus. Use the four Gospels as your guide. Discover how Jesus lived and interacted with people. Write down what were his priorities. Learn how Jesus spent his time and maybe how God might be calling us to spend our time. Then do the hard work of making the changes God wants you to become a better imitator of God. And you can start today. In fact, when you get home, this is something that you could do simply exploring the Gospels, maybe as a couple or as a family. What a great way to move forward together as a family is by studying the four Gospels and to be imitators of God as a family. So this is how we are to be imitators of God through internal heart transformation. And then this transformation is expressed in unconditional love and sacrificial giving. And I'll tell you this, there's absolutely no better way to live. You will not find contentedness any other way. There's nothing that you can physically force yourself to do. There's no discipline you can drum up that will ever create what God can do in us. We so often chase after things that we want. We so often chase after the things of the world. But I think we often miss what God wants to do in us. And he's saying, listen, I have something way better. I offer you the best. Come to me. Don't look for it out there. Would you please stand with me this morning? 
God, I just thank You, Lord. That somehow, through Your perfect plan, You make it possible, to any degree, to somehow imitate a perfect and holy God. Lord, we don't do it right all the time. There's so many ways that we miss. But Lord, instead of choosing to beat ourselves up with guilt or shame, Lord, let us choose to once again hold on to that belief of unconditional love. That God, because you loved us so much and continue to love us so much, that there is nothing that we can do to somehow earn more of your love. To make you feel any more joyful toward us. Help us to live in that love, God. Lord, give us grace for the times when we don't do it right. Lord, give us grace for the past that we haven't gotten right. Lord, help us not to hold on to those things, but to look forward to what lies ahead. That a life with Jesus really can start today and last forever. That we can wake up each morning in the power of your resurrection. That your love can somehow so change us that we can actually show that unconditional love to others. Lord, help us to use the example of Christ to be able to live that out. Lord, help us to to just see the ways, Lord, that He imitated You and to begin to ask You, God, saying, God, what do I need to do? How do You want me to live? And Lord, if we do this, we will find ourselves over time beginning to imitate You better and better, more and more. That the imitation won't be one of just actions and movements, but Lord, we'll begin to feel it inside of us. It'll literally become who we are, that we will actually be able to experience us growing in Christ-likeness, where we act, think, feel, and love more like Jesus loved. Lord, that's what we want. That's how we can find contentedness. That's how we can have peace in the storm if we imitate you. And so, God, I just pray as we leave here and start this week, Lord, that this idea of, of imitation, God, would carry into our families. Lord, that we would choose to walk in that love and choose that imitation, Lord, in how we interact with each other, with how we interact with people at work, at school, Lord, throughout the week. Lord, we just trust you and we ask you, Lord, to have your way in our lives. And Lord, we ask the hard question of saying, God, what do I need to sacrifice? How would you like me to sacrifice? But Lord, a lot of times we think of sacrifice as just giving something up when in actuality you have something even better for us. Help us to understand that. So God, help us to go in your love this morning. Help us to feel your presence. Help us to be able to make time for a growing relationship with you. And we just trust you with our lives. And we thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.